You're listening to a message from our Young Adult Bible Study. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you. To learn more about our ministry, go to peacechurch.cc slash youngadults. When I was young, I uh, didn't know what to do on the internet when I wasn't playing RuneScape or Club Penguin. And I would spend a ton of time just surfing WikiHow. Does anyone here know what WikiHow is? Raise your hand if you know what WikiHow is. WikiHow, I would just surf through different WikiHow articles. Um, Today, the trending articles on WikiHow are how to start a car in freezing cold winter weather, which is kind of sad because that that means people are actually looking up how to start a car in winter weather. Um, How to fold and store jeans. Yeah. The great thing about WikiHow articles is that they're either like insanely pointless, like everyone knows how to breathe type of thing, or they're just not actually helpful. (laughs) Um, How to keep dogs warm in winter. That was a real article. Had a picture of a dog with a sweater on. No, I wish I did. I feel like it's interfering with the dog's like natural ability to stay warm if if you put a sweater on it. I gotta love it, man. <laughs> um, this was funny. How to, this was an article published. <laughs> Someone wrote this. How to kiss your boyfriend in 24 different ways. And the image was a picture of a couple kissing underwater, which sounds like deadly. Yeah. It sounds like very dangerous to do. <laughs> um, so as I surfed WikiHow uh, briefly before tonight, I learned something. I learned that most of the articles on WikiHow, most of them, overwhelmingly, have to do with relationships. How to comfort your girlfriend when she is upset. How to know when your girlfriend doesn't love you. How to make yourself more attractive. Um, There's just a lot of articles on relationships. And what's hard for me to accept about that is if if you don't have a mentor, if you don't go to church, if you don't read your Bible, if you don't trust your friends, if you don't have involved parents, WikiHow is the best some people have in life. And we know that because these articles are getting pumped out and people are reading them. And I think that's tragic. What's encouraging in this room right now is that that's not you. You're in a church building right now. We're about to study the Bible. And we call everyone here to take their life and take their faith more seriously. And that's why we are starting a three-week series, three-week series on how-to relationships. Um, the question of relationships is a question about our lives. There are few topics that we could cover that are as important as our relationships. Everything we do is in some type of relationship and the Bible cares about all of them that we have. And it was not my intention at all to do a series on relationships at the same time that Peace Church just started a sermon series on marriage. But I love the way that the Lord just brings that together sometimes. Uh, I don't think it's an accident, but I didn't intend it. Uh, So let's go to scripture. We're gonna go to Deuteronomy 6. Uh, verses four through seven, 
And the reason we go to scripture is because Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's why we go to scripture. In Deuteronomy 6, our passage tonight, verses four through seven, says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. Uh, You may be thinking right now, I thought we're doing a series on relationships. (laughs) Um, Why aren't we talking about marriage or dating or even singleness? And uh, the reason is, is because the the framework that we need to have in order to really discuss any of these things Um, does not start with a human relationship, but it starts with our relationship to God. In all of our relationships, and this is also true in singleness, the most important relationship is and always will be the relationship that we have with God. And I think that this will actually set up a framework that we will then use to understand all of our relationships that we could possibly talk about here. What's really cool about this passage is that it is one that Jesus quotes, and that's always cool because then we get to know Jesus' thoughts on something. Um, Jesus quotes this verse when he is asked, asked about the greatest commandment. Um, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God. And Jesus didn't have to in that moment, but he also mentions the second greatest commandment, which is love your neighbor as yourself. So this is, according to Jesus, this passage In Deuteronomy 6, this passage is, according to Jesus, the greatest commandment. That's crazy. I love that. Some passages, like in Luke 24, Jesus preaches a sermon to two disciples walking down the road in the road to Emmaus, which we've talked about here before. Um, It says, and he taught them all the, you know, concerning the law and the prophets, he, he preached to them. And we don't get what he said. We just know that he then explained to them the scriptures but we don't get to hear what he says. But here's an instance where Jesus actually says, oh, I have an opinion on what the greatest commandment is and it's love the Lord your God with all your heart. I think that's awesome. According to Jesus, this is the most choice fruit in all of the Old Testament. It is worthy of our study. It is worthy of our meditation. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And actually when Jesus translates this, into the language he was speaking at the time, um, he actually adds um, with all of your might or with all of your mind. He adds mind. So in the New Testament, we might know it as uh, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. Um, Because when the scripture is talking about heart, it's not just talking about your emotions. It's also talking about your intellect. The, The idea of heart and strength and might and mind is it's trying to say, love the Lord your God with everything you possibly could have within you. Your entire person, wholeness, is 
in mind here. Love the Lord your God with your entire life. When I was a young Christian, um, I heard something pretty early on in my faith that something that I think every Christian needs to know. And even if you haven't heard this, you probably actually already know it. I came across a random YouTube video of a Bible professor who I did not know at the time, but now I know who it is just because I know more about different Bible scholars. But at the time, I just had no idea who this guy was and he was just talking and I just, I heard what he said and he said this sentence. He said, the most important thing about you is what you think when you hear the word God. The most important thing about you is what you think of when you hear the word God. And I had to pause the, I didn't even watch the rest of it. I just paused it and I, th- I thought, I need to think about that sentence. That's crazy. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the most important thing about you is your relationship with God? God does. And the most fundamental question that the Old Testament would have us ask is do you love God? And right after that it says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So the goal of, a com- of this commandment is to not just hear it. Because the goal of any commandment is not just to hear it. I don't know of any command that would end at just hearing it. Um, that's what parents get upset about when their parents don't, their kids don't listen to them. Is they hear what I'm saying, but they just goes out the other ear. They don't do anything. They just hear it and nothing else. So we're not supposed to just hear it and not do anything. We're supposed to hear it and it actually have it change our lives, do something. And so the first goal of this commandment is for it to be known for you to actually know it in your heart. To commit it to memory, to write it on your heart. It shall be a part of your being, a part of your mind, a part of your soul. And I think what's beautiful about this idea that God says you should love the Lord your God with everything you got, may that be written on your heart. Uh, I think what's beautiful about that is it makes us ask, do we know God's word like do we strive to know God's word Matthew Henry said he that loves God loves his Bible he that loves God loves his Bible love the Lord your God let it be on your heart he that loves God loves his Bible I think that's an encouragement and a challenge for us in this room right now That's an encouragement and a challenge. It's an encouragement because look at where you're at right now. You are at a Bible study. (laughs) Um, You're studying God's word. You take it seriously. You want it to affect your life. You want it to guide your life. So he who loves God loves his Bible. You are people that take the Bible seriously and want to study it. let, let, Let that idea be an encouragement. He who loves God loves his Bible. But then at least for me, it's also a challenge. Do I really know God's word? How often do I really dive into it? How often do I really try to wring out the wisdom that's in it? How often do I go out of my way to meditate on it? 
I, have give, I, I personally have been convicted recently about how I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to spend more time in his word. So this is an encouragement to all of us, and yet, at least for me, it's a challenge. He that loves God loves his Bible. I want to love it more because I want to love God more. And our passage keeps going and says next, teach them diligently to your children. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. Teach them diligently to your children. So the passage keeps going and immediately turns towards children. The ways in which we love God by loving his word um, turn towards kids. And it goes on to say, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. The point being, our lives should be lived around Scripture. Our lives should be oriented towards Scripture. Our lives should be rhythmically directed by Scripture. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Just like how it's saying, love the Lord your God with all of these things, right? Strength, mind, heart, might. It's not actually listing an exhaustive list. It's just trying to get multiple angles to say, love the Lord your God with your whole life. And now it's saying, teach them to your children and live your entire life oriented around scripture. It's trying to get after wholeness. Live in a way that breathes in scripture consistently. Love God by loving his word. That is the greatest calling of our lives and for good reason. But notice, this is our calling, and our calling has a context. The first thing that God says after giving the greatest commandment to his people is teach this way of life to your kids. It's of first importance Teach them to your children. The greatest commandment is in the context, intentionally in the context of a family. The Bible is presenting a foundation for all of our relationships. That this, this commandment is a foundation for our lives, which means it's a foundation for all of our commandments. Um, love God. It's a foundation for all of our relationships. By saying that our most relationship fundamentally is with God, the Bible is giving a foundation for all of our relationships in life. Love the Lord your God. And it's saying that our relationship with God is meant to be lived out in the context of family. The Bible is saying the greatest commandment is in the context of family. We are meant to love God with our lives and we are meant to do it in the context of family. I put quotations around that because it's a pretty broad word. I don't want you just thinking about your biological sister or brother. Um, but I, I do want you thinking of 
your immediate family, but not just your immediate family. That's why I have quotations there. The Bible is presenting a foundation to all of our relationships by saying our most fundamental relationship is with God and that our relationship with God is meant to be lived out in the context of family. We are called to love God faithfully, whether we are single, whether we are married. Loving God is primary. It's foundational. It is the foundation for how we understand every relationship and how we understand singleness. It's just life is lived according to this purpose, loving God, and we live that out in the context of family. And because this is the foundation for every commandment, it's the foundation for godliness, it's the foundation for contentment, um, it is underpinning every calling in our lives. Love God. That means that our purpose in marriage and our purpose in singleness is to love God. Our purpose is to love God. And so whether you're single or married, your purpose does not change. You are to love God. We are being guided by his word and neither marriage nor singleness changes your purpose as a human being to love God. Um, Often in premarital counseling, I will tell them uh, the way I frame their marriage is to say you are called to love God and by getting married, you're not starting a new journey. You don't start a new journey. You just choose to continue your journey together as one flesh. Uh, If I've done premarital for you or I'm doing premarital for you, I will tell that to you (laughs) if I haven't yet. Um, You're calling us to love God and by getting married, you don't start a new journey. You continue on that journey alongside each other. So we are called to love God that underpins all of our relationships and that never changes. We are called to love God and our calling has a context and that calling is family. We participate in, we encourage, we grow in, and we build up whatever family we are a part of by loving God. That is the basis for how-to relationships. We participate in, we encourage, we grow in, and we build up in whatever family we are in. So we are all born into a family. We are all born into a family. Um, And that is the first family that we are called to love God well in. Some of us are adopted into a family or we are very close with a family. Um, Pseudo adoption, right? Um, We all have, we, some, most, a lot of us have families we're really close with that we call, we like consider them a mom or a dad, even though they're not really our mom or dad legally in any way. Um, So some of us are adopted into families. Some of us are really close to families and we are called to love God well in that family as well. And all of us belong to a faith family. Which means all of us have a responsibility to participate in and encourage and grow in and build up our faith family. And if you get married or you are married then you are called to love God in that family that you create with your spouse and your children. Family is non-negotiable in scripture. Because family is the normative context that we live in and breathe in. The first commandment that humanity was ever given was to build families. We, and we can never get away from families. That's why, by the way, when we're in a context that goes really well, we say, it's like we're a family. 
Um, I once worked at a coffee shop in downtown Flint for a couple summers. And after that first summer, man, we just felt like a family. Um, our relationships with each other were so good, were so enjoyable, were so life-giving. Uh, we would pray for each other. We would encourage each other. We were just bar- baristas at a coffee shop. But we began, we began to grow so close. We, we began to feel like brothers and sisters. And, um, or if you're, you've been on a sports team before or you have a close group of friends, we say things like, man, it feels like a family. It feels just normal and right and good and almost divinely designed. God has designed our relationship with him in family terms and he has designed us to live in family terms. We are called to love God in all of our life. And this calling takes place through families. Even in singleness, family is the bedrock, the context for all of our relationships. For everyone in this room, we all are modern Western people. And so I know that there is a part of all of us that when we hear this, we think, What about single people? Like, that's a weak vision for being single. It seems like it's too family-based and not, doesn't leave enough room for individuals to be individuals. But I would argue that this is the strongest framework for someone to be an individual. Because it means that we are never actually left to ourselves to figure things out. The, in the, the Bible's vision for life, we are never left by ourselves to figure things out. But we, we are meant to live alongside our brothers and sisters. We are meant to live alongside our spiritual fathers and our spiritual mothers in Christ. So how, to, how do you do relationships? Um, first, you love God. You love God by loving his word and we all need to realize that we are never truly alone, uh, alone, but we belong and are accountable to. We belong and are accountable to our family, most importantly, our faith family. We belong, we get benefits from, and we are accountable to, meaning we have a responsibility towards them as well, to our family and to our faith family, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. So this is just a foundation, a framework for relationships. And next week we're talking about dating and then the week after we're talking about marriage. How fun. Um, There are other things we could talk about. We could have done a message on friendships and on mentorships. And those are actually things that we might actually bring up later in the year in a different different time together. But um, we haven't talked about dating or marriage in the in the past year, so I just thought it was time to do it again. That will be the next two weeks, dating and then marriage. I think this is a good foundation for all of our conversations on relationships and our discussion questions will be oriented towards all of our relationships. But I just want to conclude by going back to the heart of the matter. Are we loving God? Are you loving God? Am I loving God? And this has massive implications for all of our relationships in our life is our relationship with God. John Calvin said, whenever we are tempted to make an idol out of another person, whenever we are tempted to make an idol out of a relationship, and we do that all the time through lust or through jealousy or through codependency on someone, 
whenever we are tempted to make an idol out of another person or out of a relationship, he says this, we must so often feel that some part of our soul is empty of the love of God since otherwise nothing repugnant to it would penetrate there. We must, if we feel like we're making an idol out of someone or we're making an idol out of a relationship or we're struggling with lust or we're struggling with codependency or with jealousy, that's because our hearts are supposed to be full of love for God and we've allowed some of it to be emptied of the love of God so that sin could fit. Because otherwise, if we were full of the love of God in our hearts, there wouldn't be room for those things. There wouldn't be room in our hearts for sinful habits to take root and to survive. If our hearts were full of love of God, those roots wouldn't grow. They wouldn't survive in that soil. There wouldn't be room in our hearts and we wouldn't tolerate sin in our relationships. But so often we leave just a little bit of room. Just a little bit of room and it slowly takes over the whole our whole hearts if we let it. So we are called to love God with our whole lives and that means every relationship is to that end, enjoying and loving God. We're gonna spend about 30, 35 minutes in discussion groups at our tables. Um, Read Deuteronomy 6 out loud, what sticks out to you in the passage? Uh, What questions come up when you read it? What does this passage tell you about Jesus? How can we love God in our weekly habits? What would it look like to love God in our immediate family, whether, whatever that might be? What would it look like to love God in our faith family, in our church? And then lastly, is it possible to love God well in our friendships? Second sub-question, what if they're not believers? What if we have a friendship with an unbeliever? Is it possible to love God in that friendship? So let's spend some time talking about this. Uh, reading Deuteronomy 6, and then we will pray at the end. Where's Quinn? Where is Quinn? Oh, Quinn's going to put on some smooth, smooth music in the background.